Welcome to the Inside the Game podcast by Scorers for Sport Management. Today I'm excited to be joined by Carrie Korber as we go into her journey in basketball, um, playing for UCLA and overseas, um, coaching in college basketball and now working for the WNBA team LA Sparks as the Director of Basketball Operations. Thanks to Carrie for her time and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this chat and uh, have fun with it. All right, well, welcome to the Inside the Game podcast by Scorers First. Um, and today I'm excited to have uh, Carrie Korber with us. Hello, Carrie. Yeah, thanks for having me, Garrett. It's fun, fun to join Scorers First. Looking forward to speaking with you about your journey. Um, you grew up in a, in a basketball family. Has it always been basketball for you or, or what's been your route into this sport? Yeah, it's always been basketball. My, I have an older brother. Um, and then I have a bunch of older, like male cousins who always played and my uncles played and my dad was one of six boys and they all played. And so I just kind of got introduced to it super young and, and I liked it from the beginning. So there wasn't really a need to search for anything else. And uh, my dad put a hoop in our backyard and he kind of gave it the nickname, the scholarship. And so we all just, that was kind of the focus was how good can we get at basketball? And I liked it enough where I thought, you know, I'll, I'll work on this every single day and, and see if I can get to the next level, even though I'm kind of a slow white girl, but <laughs> trying to make it work and see if I can, I can make it happen. So there were no other sports. The Corver family was always competitive about basketball and, and, and fighting it out on the court there. Yeah. I, it's kind of funny in America, different States, kind of have different ways of doing things but in California generally people specialize meaning they'll pick one thing and just work really hard at it and in other states like Iowa you know middle of the country they they'll play every single sport for their high school and they'll do just a different sport every season so my cousins would do baseball basketball like volleyball they would do all of it whereas here I, I grew up in California so we we just kind of picked one thing and did it so um, I like other sports but this was always what I was focusing on. Yeah, so just recently, um, you took a position with the LA Sparks, which is super exciting and that we're going to get into, uh, you know, a little later uh, as we're talking. But uh, prior to that, you, you went to UCLA and then played there, which, of course, is a college or a university that, you know, everybody knows. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it, it was amazing. I, I think it's a really good combination of really good athletics and just a really good education. And, and that's what you're hoping for. I think, especially as a female, when you aren't really sure if you're going to keep playing forever and make a ton of money with basketball, you're hoping that you can go somewhere that that gives you both those things. And so I, I really loved um, both going to school and playing there because we, we had a competitive team and um, it was challenging. Obviously it's, it's really, you know, the PAC 12 has become an even better league year after year. And so um, I felt like it really pushed me to my potential as a player. And I had really awesome people around me who really um, encouraged me as a person, as a student, as an athlete, and cared about me as a person. So um, I really thought it was amazing. And I was 45 minutes from home and I could see my family when I, when I wanted to or needed to, but also had my own space. So it was truly a gift to, to be able to go there. So was that the, the main reason why you did it? Um, just the mix of all those things or what made UCLA stand out to you with, with all the options that you have in the U.S.? Yeah, I, 
I think that was part of it, uh, you know, being close to home and knowing that it was going to be a good education was definitely part of it. But I would say my main deciding factor was the coaching staff. Uh, I just think making decisions based on the people and based on the character of the people you're going to be around is really important. Um, and so that staff, they're just really good people. They really care. Uh, they, their faith is important to them. They just have a lot of really good qualities. And so ultimately I chose them because Corey Close and who she is and the staff she was putting around us and those people have been mentors for me. So I, that was probably the biggest factor. Okay. And, you know, going through some injuries and, and having to deal with all of that stuff, you, you then went overseas. What was the biggest or what were the biggest obstacles there for you making that transition to different lifestyles and, and just a different environment? Yeah, I, I just, I mean, it was really cool. I, I mean, it's, it is an obstacle to move somewhere and to not know anybody and to kind of have to start over and then the, you know, different language barriers and different pieces like that. But I enjoyed being part of a different culture, being from Los Angeles, you have a ton of diversity in the city. And so I'm used to being around diversity and so going somewhere that is just totally new was really exciting. Um, and I think the basketball was different and I've initially I was going to go to Germany and then I broke my foot right before I was supposed to go there. So I went to Luxembourg and Luxembourg isn't a super, uh, strong competition necessarily, but I really enjoyed being around those girls in that team and, and getting a chance to explore on the weekends where we didn't get to have to play. So it was a good setup for me. Great. And when you do that, we talked about picking UCLA and, and what the, deciding factors there but when you go overseas you kind of start looking into who are the who's the who, what agency are you going to go with who are you yeah. going to work with how what did that process look like for you what was important for you how did you go about that yeah that I really think it's a tough thing to figure out when you're finishing college basketball and, and you're like okay now I need now I need to find an agent I really want to play overseas how does that process work and there's not really a ton of people to walk you through that and tell you how to do it and The UCLA coaches really, they really did want to help me. So they got me on the phone with a couple of different agents in the area. And um, for me, again, like it's the same priorities. I want someone who is a really quality person to represent me and to help me and someone who's going to care about me and want me to have a good total experience and um, who I can build a relationship with as well. And so it was all word of mouth. I heard about Alex, uh, Alex Shaw, just from um, one of my teammates, her best friend, uh, had worked with Alex her name's Lindsay and so through Lindsay I talked to her on the phone and she told me all about Alex and the person that she was and it sounded like a good fit and then I got to talk to Alex on the phone and um just heard about scores first and I love I, you know I loved her and it's been that's been a really good decision and I feel really grateful for the way that she's um poured into me and, and cared about me and she came and saw me while I was playing over there we got dinner after a game and I think that's the type of stuff that makes you feel like it's a relationship. It's not just a business. So um, I've really appreciated her and in, in the whole program. So awesome. I mean, I think the toughest part there, as you mentioned, is that when you pick a school, you can go visit, you can see the facilities, you can do this. But if you pick your agent, most of the time, yeah, maybe you can have a meeting, you can look at a website and, and you can talk to former clients, but what would be your uh, advice to other players on how to go about finding that agent? Like what would be like your key things? You have your own stuff that you looked out for, but what would you suggest is, is the way to go there for other players? Yeah, I, I say just go word of mouth. 
to, you know, try to figure out who's had a really great experience with an agent, talk to former teammates, former players who've worked with them and try to get as many examples as you can, because uh, obviously everyone has a track record and, and the players who have been represented by an agent, that is their track record. And so if you're able to talk to them and kind of see what that experience was like, did they really care about you? Did they really, were they in it for the money or were they in it for really helping people get the best situation possible overseas or in the WNBA? Uh, that'd be my biggest advice. Just try and try and figure, find an agent who's been represented by players who speak well of them. And, and that's what I found with Alex is everyone spoke well of her. Yeah, I think that's great advice to just, you know, listen, talk to people, talk about their experiences, because in the end, everybody can talk about the successes they had. But I think it's way more important to build those relationships and, and to really be there for the players, whether that's yeah. on the men or women's side. You know, I, I think that's super important. Um, yeah. And then after playing, you went into coaching and, and you did that in college. Like what changed for you there? What how, what, what was that experience like? It was good. It was something that I had been thinking even before I decided to play professionally, I was thinking that I probably would want to try coaching at some point. And so as I was ending the season overseas in Luxembourg, I was kind of thinking and praying about, you know, what, what do I want to do? And my assistant coach at UCLA, Jenny Huth, she became the head coach at Northern Colorado and she asked me to be an assistant and that felt like a perfect opportunity and I was grateful that she gave me that shot because I hadn't coached before you know there wasn't a ton of experience and so I was really thankful to try it and the parts I loved was the mentoring you know college basketball you're with you're with girls it feels like all day every day it's not quite that much but it just you're constantly around people so you have a really cool opportunity to build relationships and, and leave an impact on somebody else um, what was challenging was that exact thing was it's it is all day, every day, almost. It's just a very time consuming job. And so I think if you're really, really, really love basketball um, and you love being around those people, which I, I felt like for me, I really loved those people and loved being around them. Um, I didn't always want to be doing that with all of my time though. I wanted to be able to be involved in my church or just be able to go home and see family some. There's some different lifestyle things that I wanted different, but it's a really cool um, opportunity to invest in people's lives. So I enjoyed that part a ton and, and those relationships that I'll, I'll keep and, and always cherish. Great. Is there any appreciation that you developed through being a coach where maybe when you were a player, you were like, oh, why do we have to do this? Or why is coach acting that way? Seeing it from the other side, did that change anything for you or did that give you a different kind of appreciation for coaches that you've had in the past yeah I think one of the toughest things as a coach is trying to figure out um playing time those things are hard trying to build relationships with every girl on the team and, and try not to have a favorite you know as a coach you want to make sure you're, you're caring for each person whether they're the starter or they're the last person off the bench and you want everyone to feel like they're seen and, and heard and I do think that's really hard when you have a lot going on as a coach and in our head coach Jenny she had two kids she's married um and and then you're trying to make sure you're building with 12 to 15 girls and and then you have to make sure you're teaching them basketball well enough it's a lot to it's a lot to try and, and balance and um so I think as a player sometimes you're so stuck in how you feel about everything do they care about me are they giving me attention are they giving me playing time? I feel like I'm working hard and I deserve playing time. You're thinking about yourself a lot, but as a coach, you have to think about everybody 
and you might be trying, you might really love and care about that kid, but you don't always have time to, you know, sit with them after every practice and talk them through what's going on. So I think that's the thing I've, I've learned, you know, as, as a player, sometimes I felt like, Oh, like, why aren't they, you know, giving me attention? Why, you know, why, why didn't I get playing time in that game? You know, what are they thinking about? Why wouldn't they want me in? And, and sometimes, uh, and that's kind of our selfish nature as humans a little bit too. And, but as a coach, it's hard to, it's hard to balance all of that. Right. Yeah, I would agree. How involved were you in the, in, in recruiting uh, while you were uh, working as a coach? Yeah, everybody was involved. So basically every division one team in America has one head coach and three assistants. And so all three of us assistants shared the load equally, uh, just kind of split up all of our recruits. And I had, a, so I had a third of the kids and the other two had a third and each, each staff does it differently. And then some people will have one person do all the recruiting, but so basically I did a third of it and um, that was eye opening too. just realizing how much time coaches have to put into that because it is the lifeblood of your program. If you can't get good players in, then you aren't going to sustain. And so um, it's a lot of work because you, for us, at least we, we had practice in the mornings and then you're in the office most of the day and then kids get out of school, high school kids get out of school and now you need to start making phone calls. And so yeah. it, it felt like a lot of work, but those were really cool relationships to build too. And, and I really do feel like we were able to bring in some good kids and good athletes as well. So it's something that I, I enjoyed and we got to travel to go see kids play. So there were things that I really did like about it as well, but it's, it's a big task, obviously. Yeah. I mean, for us as agents, this whole process starts a few years later. And, and I think a lot of it is managing expectations and players already have an idea what's possible because they do talk to former teammates and things like that. How early do you think, or, or what's the process there for colleges? Like how early do you really start and when do you think you can really get something Well, get something done, I don't know, but because players have so many options to, to choose from a lot of times. But uh, yeah. where do you see like the most success and being able to come through to a player and, and really build a relationship? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, with Division One here, generally, they, they kind of call it mid-major and power fives. And so the mid-major schools are generally smaller, maybe not usually as touted as a basketball team. And then you have the power five schools that are bigger. And so with the power fives, they can kind of wait to build that relationship because they know that if they come in and they offer a kid when they're 17, that kid's probably like, okay, I want to go to UCLA or I would like to go to UConn or that's a big offer. I'm probably going to take that. So they can, get, they can afford to wait. Whereas with the mid-major schools, if, if you really want to get a really top kid, you got to start building that relationship younger so that they feel comfortable and they feel like, you know, and I want to go play for that coach and, and that system, even if they aren't as good of a program. Um, but I just, going through the process myself, I really feel like it's, it's kind of a bummer if it's just overwhelming. And you're in high school and you want to just be, be a high schooler and you want to just go to school and you want to play basketball and you want to talk to some college coaches, but you don't want it to be a ton. So I think from my perspective, when I was recruiting as a coach, I would stay in touch with kids, but I try not to overwhelm them. And it was more so like, I want to have a meaningful conversation with them every few weeks on the phone and not be texting them every single day or calling them every single day, because it's not realistic for me to maintain that. It's not, it's not what it's going to look like when they actually come to college. I'm not going to right. call them every day after practice and ask how they're doing. So yeah. I, I think um, it's important that you, you know, if you have to do your job as a coach, you need to recruit them young sometimes, but it shouldn't be something that it overwhelms them. And it's, and it's not a, it's not a benefit that's mutual to a certain degree. So. Yeah, I think, I think families appreciate that a lot too. You know, if they, uh, 
know somebody is there and is in it for the right reasons and not just texting to text or yeah. things like that. So now you're uh, taking a new route, a new uh, journey, uh, joining the LA Sparks. Uh, that, that has to be exciting, huh? Yeah, it is. And it feels so, it felt so random how it popped up because it wasn't something that I pursued or put my name out for. Um, I just kind of have a couple mutual connections with the, the general manager of the Sparks. And so he reached out and, and asked if I'd be interested. And at first I was kind of questioning and I was like, I don't know. Um, but I've, I've been really grateful that I got it and, and it'll be cool to learn from just the different players and coaches at the WNBA level and to be around it. Um, hopefully the season happens this year and I'm able to be around it, uh, but it's, it's a really cool opportunity for sure. Yeah, director of basketball operations. Um, obviously, um, right now are difficult times dealing with the whole COVID-19 corona situation. But what are the, like, the different tasks that you see coming your way in that position? Yeah, so there's, there's parts that uh, I haven't done at all. Like as a coach last year, I, this will be new experience. But just getting the flights for the girls, flying them, you know, Marie Gulich is in Germany. So flying her from Germany into L.A. at a quarantine and then from quarantining into the single site that we're going to go to. That's what it looks like the process will be. So just getting all those details lined up. Here's the rental car. Here's here's where you're going to stay. I'm helping with all of that stuff. And then um, it what was cool was the basically the, the rosters had to be lined up and figured out about two weeks ago. And so I got to be part of that process as well as helping our general manager decide who are we going to get, who are we going to keep, who are we cutting. And it was a bummer this year because a lot of the girls who got drafted, yeah. they didn't even get to go to the training camp. And yeah. um, so that was really sad, but that, that was something I got to be part of is helping, okay, who are we keeping? Even though we drafted these girls, are we actually going to keep them? Who, what type of roster are we building and how much money do we have? for the type of players we want to keep. And so that's been a lot of new stuff that I hadn't done before as a coach. So that, that was all really cool things to think about and learn. Yeah, sounds amazing. So how excited are you about having two German players on the, well, this year only Marie will be there, as far as I know, yeah. and then Leonie got drafted this year. Um, how we, this is really exciting for, for scorers first, of course, and people in Germany, but have you seen like a bigger international approach in the WNBA as well? Yeah, I think there's definitely more openness to getting international players because you're able to get really good film with them or, or they come over, they come over to the U S and they play college ball here and you see how good they are. You know, I remember I played against Marie in college and she developed a ton from her freshman year to her senior year. And it was really cool to see. And um, so I definitely think, you know, the teams here would love to get international players if they're good and they're showing themselves to be good then they want them and um for me it's fun that I have that connection of Alex too you know Alex is my agent and then Alex is the agent of Marie and Leone so it's really cool to have that that connection too well we were super excited about draft night that's for sure mm -hmm. um yeah there is one more topic that I, I have on my list and then this goes back a little bit uh to, to your playing days, you know, with the injuries you had and, and Leonie had one of those as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where somebody like you now in a front office position, I think players can draw from, from your playing experiences. Mm -hmm. with those injuries, how did you manage to kind of keep your ambition high? How did you manage to, to fight your way back? Well, how did you deal with that? And then what would be advice that you would have for other athletes working their way, yeah. way back from an injury? 
Yeah, I so something that different people would tell me, especially after I toured the second one, because I was at UCLA, so I was around top athletes, and they would say, you could be stronger, you could be more athletic, you can be even better off after this injury. And when people would say that, sometimes I'd be like, I don't really see it. I don't know how you can be better off yeah. after an injury, but it really was true. And, and part of that was our UCLA strength coaches made us do weights five times a week. I had another girl who tore ACL the week after me. So the two of us were doing the same schedule and we would lift five times a week. And so I really did become a better athlete after, after that basically nine months of being in the weight room, getting stronger, getting my knee position better, working on my form. And I really wasn't, I did not move efficiently or well before I tore my second ACL. And so after, after my second one, and doing the stuff we did at UCLA, I felt like I really was a better athlete. I was moving more efficiently and I really haven't had, I have never felt like, oh, I'm going to tear my ACL again since then. So um, I think that's one part. And then as far as getting, you know, being motivated and keeping your ambition, there's other parts of your game that you can be working on in that time. If you're diligent, it's not fun. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not as exciting, but you can work on your form. You can work on your ball handling. You can watch extra film. You can, you can draw up all the plays that your team is running and help, you know, help bring the team through the plays. And so I, I had people around me. We had a mental training coach at UCLA who challenged me in that stuff. And so I was really intentional about working at different aspects of my game that I didn't normally spend a lot of time on. So I even felt like I became in some regards, a better basketball player during that year of sitting out. Um, and so I think that's just the mentality you have to have is how can I get better? How can I still serve the team while I'm out? Um, and bring enthusiasm and, and bring energy to the group and and still build those relationships and then also how can I become a better athlete because of this how can I take my strength training really seriously so that I come back and I feel like I'm actually more explosive than when I when I was playing the year before those are kind of the biggest things I think for me after tearing two ACLs that I learned I think that's that's great feedback on or a great answer to that question and just kind of talking about having the right people around you that keep you motivated and that work with you on all these things and then also I don't know if you know not putting yourself in a position where you feel sorry for yourself I don't know if that's the right word but where you kind yeah. of keep working on it and and you know find other ways how to get better and yeah. that's where you know, having people like you involved in pro basketball and being able to work with other athletes, I think is huge. And, you know, that the WNBA teams and that NBA teams start looking more at former players, people that have gone through it, I think is a huge thing. So, yeah, yeah. I really love that. Yeah. I mean, those are all the questions I had. Thank you for your time. I know you got stuff right. going on the rest of the day. So thanks so much. And we look forward to following your journey and uh, hopefully having you back on in the future. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Garrett. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> thanks again for listening. And uh, thanks to Carrie Korber for her time and being so open about her journey in basketball. And it was definitely fun um, to listen to her speak about her route from playing to coaching and now being with the LA Sparks. And we definitely wish all the best to the WNBA and hopefully they can get the ball bouncing again very soon. Um, thanks again for listening and we hope you'll be keep coming back for future podcasts.